You're listening to an Anazal Ministries podcast. How do we treat aliens, whether they look like us or not? How human is Spock really? And what does love do to Superman? We were going to talk about Star Trek Strange New World Season 2 and the exciting crossover with Lower Decks. Then we're going to discuss my adventures with Superman and Clark's love life. Finally, we'll be discussing Marvel's secret invasion and the implications that that show has for the rest of the MCU. I am really excited. This is Systematic Geekology. We are the Priest of the Geeks. I am Joshua Null, here with your, your fellow geekologist, one of uh, the founding hosts of the show, one and only, Will Rose. How's it going, hey. Pastor Will? And Yay. we have a special guest for this episode who appears to be figuring out his audio <laughs> setup at the moment. But, uh, Will, you do a show with our guest, uh, his other show, Across the Bifrost. You help him with that, talking about Thor and other Marvel mm-hmm. comics. Um, he's been on our Patreon before. I don't know if he's been on the regular feed before, but I'm excited to announce a uh, good pod friend of mine. You know, we met at a theology beer camp last year. We're going to go again. We have mm-hmm. a, a special code for y'all at the end. If you if you stay tuned, you can get a discount. But uh, Ryan, I don't know if you can hear us, but how's it going? I can hear. Okay. Us. All right. He can hear us. We cannot hear him yet, but I'm sure he will figure it out and we'll hear from him soon. Uh-huh. <laughs> in the meantime if you are watching this live on facebook or youtube or anything like that make sure give us a shout out where you're at where you're listening from where you're coming from and in a minute we're going to be talking about what we've been geeking out of we do a lightning round so if you have anything you want us to shout out that y'all have been watching let us know let's know we're excited for that um we can hear ryan now so i'm excited to start oh, our can? lightning round off yeah, oh, yeah, there yeah. He i is. heard you breathe earlier <laughs> there's my buddy so there he is. I, oh man i'm ready i'm ready for hearing this. me breathing guys you got me already excited oh, yeah. for theology beer well, guess what? yeah oh, yeah it is time <laughs> yeah 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 it's it's fine oh, oh there, there we go is. our lightning round Ryan, Ryan, do you have a, a quick one outside of our, our main three subjects today that you want to shout out that's new to you or new to the fandoms at large? Okay, so there's three things I'm super excited about. I'm going to hit you with them real, real fast. Oh, okay, uh, go ahead. This comic book, can I, what, what's the what's the rules here, Joshua? I, there are rules. This is anarchy. Oh, fan-freaking-tastic. <laughs> I'll try to keep it. A man who created an outline three pages long says there's no (laughs) rules. Okay. (laughs) Listen, I create the outline, so I have something to throw out. Yeah. Um, (laughs) What's what's the point of breaking rules when there aren't rules to break? Uh, Everyone, you should go check out this amazingly awesome comic I just read the other day. It's called All Against All. It's a fantastically... Uh, gritty and crazy comic about like Tarzan meets meets like sci-fi alien oh. invasion. It is like actually Tarzan. Uh, the, their character in this oh, is yes. clearly a Tarzan character. Uh, it's written by Alex Packnadel, and the art is Caspar Wingard, who's like my new obsession in comic art. You should go read this. It's incredible. The first volume just came out, and. I am excited to go see the movie called The Last Voyage of the Demeter this weekend. Hmm. Dracula at sea. That's all I needed to hear. Yes. Dracula haunting <laughs> an entire crew of like British merchants. I am so 
freaking here for it. It's going to be amazing. And then hopefully I get to see the Meg to the trench right after Ooh, that. Yeah. So like kind of offshoots of normal <laughs> mainstream geek culture. Stuff, but I'm though. like, if you give me a monster slowly picking off a crew of people, I'm totally here for it. So that's my, uh, did I do the lightning round correctly? I, there is no correct, but but I, I gotta say, oh, right, right. Sorry, uh, we wrote the rules to throw out the rules. I, I <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, according to my wife's rules, it's August, so it's Halloween now. So Dracula and oh, monsters are, gosh. you know, they're fair game. Let the pumpkin um, spice run. I'm gonna, let it. Let gonna, the pumpkin spice just flow. It's not even September yet. <laughs> oh man, I have a four, a four for the lightning round. I'm gonna start with two, and then let Will go, and then I'll do my other two, and let Will finish. <laughs> okay. So so. First, I gotta say, I watched Barbie. I I loved it. I haven't seen it. Don't spoil um, it. Uh, he's gonna plug his ears. The uh, all of the all of the woke criticism, I think, is a uh, silly. You know, it's not as woke as people want to act like it is. Um, it, it's <laughs> very much you know female power in the beginning, patriarchy in the middle, and then hey, wait a minute, what if toxic masculinity and toxic femin- femininity is wrong, and what if everybody matters? What if what if that's a thing? And there's such thing uh, as equity and equality, and they're both important. It's good stuff to even pick at that which whole. Which is kind of whole, what woke is talking about. So it's not necessarily a dirty well, word to say woke is kind of. Well, what I think I think the criticism that I liked the most was if everything is only one way, there's still somebody gets left out. And I like also the criticism of a lot of you know your woke agenda is just a bunch of white males sitting. It's ironic with my current companionships, <laughs> just sitting white males sitting around. I'll, talking I'll leave, about Josh. It's fine. What is a uh, female? You know, like oh, we're gonna decide what female power looks like. Well, uh, you know, that's not quite. <laughs> anyway, my my second one, Atomic Eve. Atomic Eve dropped on Amazon. You know, in between Invincible season one and season two, we get I a little movie, some yeah. filler in. Oh, it's so good. Uh, you got a lot of like anti conspiracy stuff, some government overreach commentary. I love it. Ryan has something to say. Joshua, I just want you to know that was my third thing. I was going to, I was on my list and I was like, if I got to cut one, I'm going to, I'm going to roll the dice on the fact that Joshua will might bring this up. (laughs) That Adam Eve special was freaking incredible. And I cannot wait for invincible season two. It's going to be off the chain. Good. The cast is stupid talented. Like they're adding so many great voices to this next season. Oh, yeah. And they, they're staying true enough to the comics, too, that I'm like, you know, they change the order and stuff. But I'm like, you know, I have confidence in this confidence in this team. And I know what happens in the comics. And I'm like, ah, I, I want to see that on TV. It's going to be good. Yeah. Is is Atomic Eve, is that um, just like a one shot special or is it like a series of a couple of, of episodes? It's just together? like a movie. Basically, yeah. oh. It's like a 45 minute kind of like, um, yeah, movie. it's, it's like a one shot origin story for her. Of Amazon. Amazon. Yeah, yeah, it's so good. It's so good. go watch it right right about yeah, now. Yeah. Will go watch it. <laughs> All yeah. right, Will. What what's your what's your first few picks for the lightning round? Really, I just have like two things. Two things I want to talk well, about. Do one, lightning. and we'll do the other after mine. No, no, I'm gonna combine them together because they're inseparable. Okay. They're tangled okay. together. But but yeah, so I'm a huge X Men fan. That was my first love in comics and superhero y stuff. And um, Joshua and I have bonded before about our love of Miss Marvel. And so same with Ryan and us that you know, in terms of her being a new character for Marvel and emerging on the scene and what she represented and what she did, and then her place in the uh, comic books, and then now her place in the MCU and the TV show, which I love so much. Well. Um, 
there she's now entangled with the x-men in the comics which is to be which uh i think is foreshadowing what's going to happen in the mcu with her in the mcu uh, so, so X-Men a few years back, Jonathan Hickman rebooted the entire X-Men franchise with Powers of X, House of X, this kind of big crossover, redefining who the X-Men were and their place in the Marvel comic universe and having their own kind of nation state and what they meant for the world. And they had their own place. They became pretty, pretty powerful. Um, for me, I loved what he did with that. It was super sci-fi and, and nobody had ever kind of treated the X-Men like that before and their characters and what they could or couldn't do. And it was just a great awesome and deep fresh take on on the x-men well as the years go on and other people take over that franchise for me um it kind of ran a little stale you know what once stories keep going and go 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 uh, they can't be like your favorite thing all the time so even though that's the book that's going to be on my pull list at least one x book there's so many X-Men books. Just put an adjective in front of it and they probably do it. Immortal X-Men, Uncanny X-Men, <laughs> Astonishing X-Men, whatever. Uh, they're going to keep running with it. Well, it kind of ran a little stale. and I was kind of waiting to see, knowing they're going to reboot it. Well, they have a, um, a new kind of crossover reboot um, event coming up this fall called Fall of X. And so leading up to Fall of X, what they've done, this Hellfire Gala, every year they do this big um, celebration annual, um, um, like the like the Met Gala. They all get dressed up and party together and and unveil something new for the human race. Um, I won't I try to keep this short, but uh, but in the latest Hellfire Gala, um, uh, some major things happened uh, that are going to shake up with what's going to happen to the X-Men in this next event, the fall of X leading forward and the teams. They killed off a ton of X-Men. They, they reduced it. But here's the thing with Miss Marvel, her origins come around um, are, are within humans, which the reason they did that way back when is because the MCU didn't have rights to X-Men because of Sony and all, all kinds of things. Um, so they, they made Miss Marvel's origin story and her getting her powers by with the Inhumans. Well, um, well, we don't have Inhumans in the MCU. So we heard teased at the end of the TV show, perhaps she's a mutant and people are like freaking out. Maybe this is the emergence of the X-Men or mutants in the MCU. Well, what are they going to do with her in comics? Well, controversially, they killed Miss Marvel off a couple months back or a month back in Amazing Spider-Man uh, number 26. And um, uh, kind of controversial people were like, oh, how, why are they killing her off? Because... You know, she's got a movie coming up. Well, we knew. We know <laughs> that she's coming back. We didn't know she was going to come back this quick. In the Hellfire Gala, the X-Men resurrected her, revealing that she has an X-Gene in her system, which is why they are able to resurrect her and bring her back. So not only is she is inhuman, she's also a mutant. And so they're inviting her to be a part of the X-Men and on the, on the mutant team, team mutants. Uh, and for me, I know there's a lot of cynicism around like killing off characters and bringing them back so quick. Um, but for me in a noisy world, when everyone's trying to get people's attention any way they can. I understand why you would try to kill her off and then bring her back and have people pay attention to her. It's a noisy world. I get the game. I get the gimmick. For me, it's not that bad. Um, uh, death and life help us reflect on all kinds of things, right? Uh, but they brought her back. She's now an X-Men and she's going to have a book coming out here in August, uh, Miss Marvel, The New Mutant. And it's written by the actor who's playing her in the MCU. Uh, she's co-writing it with somebody. I'm not, I don't know 
who the rest of the team is. I forgot how you pronounce her name. Do you guys remember or know how to pronounce her name? Well, Iman, Iman Vellani is the actress you're referring to. Yeah, yeah. And she's the one um, who's, who's going to write this comic or co-write this comic, Miss Marvel, The New Mutant. And, and that's going to lead into hopefully what they do with this movie coming up and what her place is in the MCU and perhaps X-Men and others. So as you can tell, I've already talked way too long. I'm really excited about what they're doing with the X-Men. I'm excited what they're doing with Marvel and combining the two together, loving those characters so much and having them be on the same team. I couldn't be more excited. I, I, I haven't been this excited about X-Men and like bringing a new team in in a long time. So I hope that excitement's contagious to everybody. <laughs> I believe you were there when Professor Xavier brought the original five X-Men together. Okay. An old joke, Joshua. Time we were for an screwed. Xavier Ball joke. We, it's time for. We were screwed. The second Will said, "I want to talk about X Men because, yeah. like, how do I bring the Hickman run of X Men concisely up to date?" Oh crap! We're, we set our watches, everybody. Oh, well, you said lightning yeah. round. It was well, a hurricane. Now, sorry. now that we are more than double the lightning round town, I'm going to do my big ones for the lightning round. Okay, okay, good. Uh, first, I'm, I'm going to talk about what's going on with Moon Knight in Marvel Comics right now. There's some really cool stuff happening Ooh. over there. So yeah. issue 25 kicked out a lot of stuff. It's like the beginning of the end. Um, Legacy number 225. Will, you're welcome. Um, that is uh, Jed McKay in Alessandro Vidi, I believe. He's fighting Black Scepter in this. You get some of the mind control, psychological thriller kind of stuff going on. Great double or oversized issue, I guess. Um, and part of that also, the excitement around Moon Knight, kicked off the City of the Dead. It's a four-part miniseries written by David Popose. I'm trying to read this off. <laughs> and uh, Marcelo Ferriara is, I guess, the penciler on that. I'm not really sure. Yeah. But uh, Moon Knight is saving a child from the underworld. So he's going down, and it's not Mephisto. It is like Egyptian underworld. It's cool. It's pretty sick. Um, I'm still getting used to, you know, they're trying to make it like the MCU Moon Knight. So, you know, it's a lot less edgy than I'm used to Moon Knight being, but it's good storytelling. So I'm just learning to adapt and appreciating the story for what it is. And that brings me to the, oh, that was, I really wanted this to be the main topic. If I didn't care so much about our listeners, I would have done this instead of Star Trek. Good Omen season two. Ah. In my, in my personal opinion, Neil Gaiman at his absolute best is Good Omens. For those who don't know, Neil Gaiman, he he writes a lot of different comics and stuff. Um, the Sandman that was really popular. That's, you know, Neil Gaiman. Um, he wrote the Good Omens book or the novel, I guess, with Terry Pratchett. Really they good. wrote a sequel to that book that never got published because Terry passed away. However, mm. Neil did take that book and write season two that we never thought we were going to get a season two of the show because the second book was never published. Not only did we get it, but they set it up for future seasons. It's phenomenal. Um, the show has like a Harry Potter misfortune series of misfortunate events, kind of like quirky vibe, but also that like humor and philosophy of something like the good place to it. It is so cool. So good. Uh, we discover in this season that my favorite demon Crowley, uh, my favorite, of course, because he's David Tennant, you know, can't go wrong. Um, <laughs> Hard to beat David Tennant. He- he beat. was the one who spoke the word in the beginning, read out the scroll and let there be stars, let there be light in the universe began. He was also there when the story of Job and you have a lot of like anti-duality kind of themes, which hmm. of course I have to mention so that I can plug tomorrow. Uh, my other podcast, Dummy for Theology, you're going to be talking about duality. So, you know, maybe check out my other show. I probably actually I don't I do not talk about good omens, but I should have because it is so freaking good. 
David Tennant at his best, Neil Gaiman at his best. You got a lot of romance fit in there, a lot of philosophy, great humor. I, I simply could not build up this series enough. Please go watch when, it. Please. When I went on sabbatical a few years back in the before times, um, I did uh, one of <laughs> one of the books that was there on my list was Good Omens, and I read it and it was so good. And then then the the show came out, and I was just like, oh man, it, it was so good. So yeah, I, I got to talk, yeah. geek out about X Men and go on that. And then Joshua talks about David Tennant, so of course he's gonna yeah. have his thing. Yeah. yeah, but but that does bring us to the end of the light round and into the actual episode now <laughs> before we do any of the, the real main 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 stuff because i just knew we weren't going to have time in the lightning round i planned on us going too long will so i was yeah. just like you know let's just throw it in there and actually just discuss what trailers have you guys seen recently that you're like oh my god this is too good because for me there's a list there's a list of new trailers that i was like oh. like ahsoka the final trailer finally dropped mm -hmm. great mm -hmm. I'm the only one here who's going to mention the live action one piece, but man, it was good. No, so, I like that trailer too. I'm not a big, I, I <laughs> yeah, that's the thing about our podcast and, and our YouTube channel is that we have a wide, wide range of hosts that geek out on different things. I'm not an anime person. I'm not a gamer, but when I hear about our host talk about and how much they love it, I was like, Oh, I'll check that out. So I don't think I'm going to read the manga or probably not again to the anime of, of one piece, but I will watch the live action on Netflix. And I can't wait to hear what one piece fans mm. think about. Yeah, me too. <laughs> And then Me I can get too. my take because I have no baggage attached to it. Like they, TJ may hate it because it's not like what they did or whatever. <laughs> I don't see TJ hating really anything. But for me, just coming in fresh, just to watch it on its own, I can't wait for it to share the story and see if I can get into it. I love that trailer. That was great. Yeah. And I am nervous and excited and like just giddy. Like I just, I love One Piece. I've loved it so when long. Is, that is there anything? When does that drop? <laughs> Soon. I think it's like August 23rd, but I'm not 100% sure. Um, are there any trailers for you guys that you're like, oh, man, that, that really gets you excited right now? Loki season two, maybe? <laughs> I used my lightning round to discuss the two trailers <laughs> I'm most excited about. Oh. Well, that's fine. Um, I'll just... <laughs> I, yeah, it, honestly, I'll go back to the last voyage of the Demeter is like what I'm living for right now. And I know... It, someone might be there like, oh, that cheesy Dracula movie? I was like, well, here's the thing. <laughs> Liam Cunningham is one of my favorite characters from Game of Thrones, and he is the like narrator of that trailer. And like when he cuts into those first few bits of dialogue where he's like, we are a doomed crew aboard a doomed vessel in the middle of the sea, and the devil is on board, I'm like, gah! It's like melt me into pieces. That was so good. And uh, so I'm, I'm like, I'm all here for that. And like anytime I hear Jason Statham's voice over a movie, I'm like, yeah, man, I'm going to go watch Jason Statham fight a shark because <laughs> I have yeah. low standards and I'm a simpleton. So that kind of stuff frigging gets gets in and it, it crawls around in my brain. I wish I could sit here and be like one of those fancy, you know, fancy nerds. It's like I call movies like cinema. And I like get really like eloquent <laughs> about like the the craft of storytelling. I just want to see people fight sharks and vampires. That's all I want to do. All that's, I want hey, to do. that's fair. That's fair. Uh, although I, I assume you're also excited for Loki because that I am excited. I am excited for Loki. Um, truthfully, I love when Marvel drops Monday trailers because then they get to kind of like <laughs> ride. They get to ride the wave for a few days. Mm. And when that trailer dropped, I was just like, okay. 
I'm like, I'm, I'm freaking here <laughs> for this. Like I love, I loved Loki season one. Uh, I know it's kind of like baked into like my show that I should love that, but like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm just Tom Hiddleston doesn't disappoint me. I've never watched a Tom Hiddleston project and been like, mm, you know, it's, it was fine. Yeah, I, I, I think that the directorial like direction they're going this season is going to be really consequential. So I'm 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 just I'm ready I'm ready for it I'm very ready for Loki season two. Yeah, I uh, there's some things that I'm like I just can't wait to hear them talk about it on Across the Bifrost, and that that's one of them. I can't wait for that. <laughs> I, I'm I, I'm pretty I'm pretty excited about it. Oh man, yeah. So let's see other trailers, uh, the Doctor Who trailers that have been coming out, guys. I'm like I'm getting full like full dose like double dose of david Tennant this year like what is happening this is just this is the best year i'm finally getting to bounce back from covid <laughs> uh, uh, lower decks lower decks is that surprise trailer that dropped when the surprise episode dropped and threw off all my scheduling and i was like i'm gonna get to start lower decks when what that soon oh man i am so excited i am groot season two. Oh right oh, yeah man it's like september right yeah yeah it's like soon i'm like what Th this this fall is going to be phenomenal and florida state's looking pretty good we might come out on top oh, of the stuff, the so, you know love. Oh, listen man. listen Here, i gotta keep out on button? sports too oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, will you have any other trailers you want to mention before we uh... yeah i i i'm i'll um I'll weigh in. I, th I think Loki looks great. I, I, you know, it'll go into our discussion with Secret Invasion, but like the, I'm, I'm really looking for the connective tissues in the MCU right now. And I know there's a lot of discussion around the movies and the different phases and the TV shows and the CEO of Disney is chiming in about, you know, slowing down or speeding up. I don't know. But, but um, I, I really want loki season two to do some connective tissues with the multiverse and i and i hope they do yeah. otherwise you know I, i'll still have fun with it I'll, i i like to keep it positive as well um and of course ahsoka i think with the writer strike oh, yeah. and the actor strike i think we're going to have a gap in content and so this fall is definitely full with a lot of content there's no shortage of content uh for us to geek out on and share and 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 discuss and talk about with with our friends and communities but i think um yeah, I'm, I'm just going to soak it up this this fall and um, and then we'll see what the fall it is. I'll, I don't think geek stuff is going to stop, but but it may <laughs> slow down a little bit. So um, let's have fun this fall and, and see what happens and, and see where it goes. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, first major topic, 25 minutes in. I'm getting to Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Um, again, you know, I said I was going to do Good Moons instead. The The main reason I didn't is we had that huge crossover that happened. And I'm like, man, you guys are forcing me to talk about this instead of, instead of, you know, my love for David Tennant. I mean, I still fit it in here, but I, I was disappointed. <laughs> so we are going to talk some about Star Trek Strange New Worlds. I'm going to mention the crossover episode. Um, I, I loved it. I loved it so much. Um, we're also going to be discussing. So that crossover was episode seven. It's called those old scientists, which was a play on words because TOS, the original series, kind of like Star Trek lingo. Um, you also have episode five with charade. Spock was a human for an episode. Learned the smell of bacon. <laughs> Man, sorry. I think I don't know of the last time I laughed as hard at anything as episode five, season two, strange new worlds. I, about died um can you explain real fast can you explain real fast where strange new worlds falls in the timeline of of star trek yeah i'm also going to discuss episode nine subspace rhapsody so strange new world it takes place 
before the original series, after the first two seasons of Discovery, but before the other seasons of Discovery when they jump into the future. So Star Trek timeline, you have the Enterprise, which is not that far off from us. Um, then you have, I think there's something else before Discovery. Then you have Discovery, then Strange New Worlds. After Strange New Worlds, right after Strange New Worlds is when the original series starts. Gotcha. So that's why Spock yeah. is alive yeah. in Strange New Worlds. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, um, well, he also comes back from the dead. So there's that. But the, um, what, what am I thinking of? I, I did last week, I did a surprise crossover episode with Dummy for Theology and uh, Systematic Ecology. And I, I talked about that other episode, episode eight, which is why I'm not talking about it today. So it's a lot of PTSD and back with the Klingon Starfleet War. So if you guys are interested, go check that out. Very uh, well today. done. Joshua does a good job with pastoral care and, and talking about Thank the you. options and that, hey, if you're wrestling with those things, you're not abnormal. You're not weird. Everyone goes through it or has a version of it. So yeah, listen to the episode. He does a good job sharing some resources of about all that stuff. So it's real and it's important. Yeah, I got... um. I got pretty vulnerable in that one. So it was nice. I heard, you know, you and a few other people actually got with me. I was like, Hey, thank you. That was really well done. And this, and we appreciate how you talked about it. And uh, that made me feel good. You know, um, I do not diagnose myself with PTSD, but I have a lot of trauma experience. So it, it was interesting talking about that, not just from the geek side, but more deep, I guess. Um, but for this one, I'm going to try and focus on the deep side. Uh, episode five, I'll start with it. Uh, charades is what it's called. It's called charades because <laughs> Captain Pike, uh, convinces some Vulcans at one point because uh, they're trying to stall for Spock to become Vulcan again so he can do the mind meld, which is part of their marriage ritual kind of stuff. Um, <laughs> and he's not able to do it because he's a human. Um, I won't ruin why because I just thought that was a funny little bit and I'm going to leave it alone. But uh, he's not able to do the mind meld, so they're trying to stall. And Captain Pike convinces these Vulcans that a uh, part of human rituals, since you know Spock is both human and Vulcan, so he needs to do some both, a human ritual before you may, you're allowed to Mary apparently is to play charades. <laughs> so okay. Captain Pike convinces of that they're playing charades. Um, but you get to see this whole thing of which, you know, I, I've said in an earlier episode before too, that this season's really focusing on identity. What makes you, you, and they go through, you know, different people's past, all that. So here we see Spock really wrestling with his human side and his identity. And it was funny because even early on in the episode, he talks about how like Vulcans, you know, suppress their smell, they suppress their emotions and all this other stuff. And then as a human, he doesn't have those luxuries. So we're able to see him laugh and crack up with the team. And he learns kind of how to do jokes. We see him discover the smell of bacon because he's been suppressing his scent this whole time. He's like, what is that wonderful scent? Wow. <laughs> Which I, I loved. I was dying. Um, I think the time that made me laugh the most is uh, the girl he's talking to. That's not the person he's getting ready to marry. Um, <laughs> One of the girls he's talking to is asking him about like how he's doing with being human. He's like, I'm just getting used to the emotions. Um, it's really interesting. I don't cry every time I'm in the shower. And then he he pauses <laughs> before he says, that's a joke. <laughs> I thought I was so funny. I was like, I don't cry every time. I'm or Spock shower. and I are different. But... <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh. <laughs> um, so that, that one was just great episode without pointy ears. What is it's just it threw me off, but it was great. It was so funny. Um, and then we have the the Lower Decks, Lower Decks special crossover. So we start off with Lower Decks people. They discover this machine. It ends up being a time machine kind of thing, whatever. Not going to get into the details. This is one of my favorite shows of all time right now, especially Lower Decks. And we're about to start season four and I'm having withdrawals. It's been a little while since season three. They give me this, this little taste. They end up the 
animated people end up back into the live action show. And oh, there they are. It's them. It's them <laughs> as real people. <laughs> and they show That's up and their lower decks for context is way in the future. It's past Picard. It's past all the next gen, the discovery season three and four, like it's way in the future. So for them, they are huge geeks. They constantly are talking about Spock and Kirk and how much they love those guys. And they make all the references that us geeks do talking about how the enterprise is really the only good model. And they have like their own little Lego builds and stuff. They're just geeks. <laughs> so see them go back and they're like, that's actually Spock. <laughs> So they're having like all the reactions that I would if I did get to meet Pike and Spock at all them. And it was some of the most fun just ever. Really just funny episode, but they don't drop that identity theme. They still bring it to what happens when you hear someone from the future jaw drop. You mean you're the Will Rose? Mm. Yeah, man. You're the one who who led the church to being one again. You created church oh unity. <laughs> it's like, what, what do you mean I did that? You know, like it's jaw drop moments for them. And they're like, no, I'm just a pilot. What do you mean? I'm not anything special. And they're like, no, you are the dude. Mm, just really having that dude. part. Of the, <laughs> you are the dude. And just having that part of their identity challenge from how these geeks from the future view them. That was beautiful. Um, and of course they discover <laughs> They uh, one of the characters brings a drink back from the future from one of the other whatever stuff and is teaching them how to make it and makes them all one and like oh it kind of feels funny. So the end, it's like not right before the end credits is the crew enjoying this beverage that they had in the future, <laughs> and they become animated from this beverage, <laughs> and they're all making like really just funny comments of why are our eyes suddenly so big. It's Spock's like, why can my arm do this? And it's what drink good, is it? Is it is it vodka? Is it coffee? Is it beer? What, what do they uh, share? It's like, a, it's like a mixed drink from Romulan culture, I think. I don't really remember. I was hoping you wouldn't call me on that. <laughs> it's well, fine. of course, it's fine. those Ro those Romulans love to get freaky. Yeah, that's oh yeah. We, we all know that. We all know that. And then what's funny is somehow the Spock one was the funniest of all of these, even though you have a cartoon playing part of this and. We have Star Trek's first musical episode, <laughs> Subspace Rhapsody. And in that, one of the things I love in that, they, they really, they how at the peak emotions is when people start to singing. And the reason it happens is reality is unzipping in a reality where everything's a musical is what's happening. So they have to play by musical rules to figure out how to reverse what happened. So they're learned like, so it's, very meta critiquing what musicals are at the same time. And also at one point, um, the, the communications officer is discussing like the, how humans have used music and even mentions how, yeah, that's why we use it in worship. It is such a deep way of communicating how you feel and that parts of you that you can't communicate. Otherwise they also do a lot of this exploring because it's a musical, you know, that's when all the relationship stuff that we've been waiting on kind of starts to happen in this. And you get the really fun thing of the kind of show at the beginning, you are not defined by your relationships is a point that's made. But then near the end, part of the, the end point, your relationships are defined by you. So you have to know who you are because that is how the team's going to come together. So I'm interested if that's going to be kind of this finale 
coming up. Episode 10 is next. It's the end of the season. I wonder if they're going to be pulling all this identity stuff that they've been doing all season together because who you are as a person defines who your relationships are. So who our individuals on the crew are is going to define the Enterprise. I'm hoping that's kind of what the last episode be. We'll see. Just plugging my expectations in so that when I'm disappointed, you all know why I'm disappointed. <laughs> um, I, can I just share when I when I hear Joshua geek out on something and then he starts giggling <laughs> to himself and sharing jokes and laughing at his own jokes or stuff that jokes he remembered? I I love that so much. That's one of my favorite parts of Systematic Geekology is Joshua getting tickled by his own things that he geeks out on. So I I love it. Classic classic Joshua and and thank oh, man. you. <laughs> Because yeah, when I think I of just... sci-fi, when I think of sci-fi, I think of musicals. That's what I think. Of. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Reality <laughs> unzipping and everything becoming a musical. It makes so much. Yeah. It's so funny because Spock has a beautiful voice in this, and he's thinking about it's so illogical, it's so inconceivable, and I'm like, these are just words that I don't expect to hear in any musical ever. <laughs> it's nice. just so amusing. Um, but no, I really like how they're how they're really building on this identity. You know, what does it mean to be human when we're talking about Spock? Are charades an important part of humanity? What does it mean to build relationships? Why is music an important part of us? Will, before we move on to the next thing, as far as like your experience, do you think that's an appropriate articulation of why churches do worship music? Like music and worship is like just a better way to express ourselves? Yeah, I think... Yeah, I think there is something about us in terms of of humans. I think there's questions that sci-fi does so well. What does it mean to be human? What is our relationship to the universe and the other? You know, who am I um, affects my relationships, but then, you know, who I am or become uh, is not separated from my relationship. So I understand discovering yourself first before you can be in a relationship with someone else, but I'm not detached from any relationship from anyone or anything. I'm, I'm an entanglement of relationships. So I'm inseparable from my relationships relationships of my origin and, and where I am now. So, uh, but in terms of music, it kind of goes into this theological idea of like theopoetics theo in a sense that like there's an artistic expression that is entangled with our spirituality and our faith as well, that it's not just words, it's not just a head thing, it's a heart thing. And so how do I express myself? Well, we do that in art. We do that with um, poetry. We do that with music. We do that um, with words and story and narrative. So all those come together in the kind of theo poetics, which is a, just a great phrase that I, um, that I've kind of leaned into over the last few years. And yeah, like you see any kind of like Disney movie is kind of like, um, my words can't express. So I'm just going to bust out in song right now. I have to like sing about <laughs> it. There, there's nothing that yeah. can contain the song with this in my heart. And I think in terms of our relationship with God, uh, the other, uh, what captivates our imagination or our heart, uh, what we give ourselves over to. Um, yeah, music is a big part of expression of of how to articulate what that means to us or what we're feeling about it. So yeah, I think it's fully appropriate and it's always been a part of of what makes humans humans from the earliest campfire to what we're doing now in our in our, our religious communities. Yeah, and I uh, I got to tag on their sea shanties. <laughs> You know, the there's listen, listen, the psychology of why we do sea shanties, it builds relationships, singing together, confirming these words together in, in such a mm -hmm. like in rhythm, Communal it's proven thing, yeah. that it, yeah, it builds relationships. So I thought it was really interesting that the episode about relationships is the musical episode. Yeah, whether it's karaoke or or singing hymns together together as a group, there's something about that communal living um, that's very bonding and um and moving to us but yeah yeah ryan 
Yeah, well, I, I just want to add on here something that uh, may, maybe our our together our mutual friend Nick Polk would say uh, that like even even in the works of Tolkien, Tolkien describes creation as a song, uh, right. and I think that is one of those things where music is powerful, but also like music is incredibly uh, for something that doesn't have a visual component to it. It has so many visual uh not consequences but the outpouring of music is often visual when you see a will has been to multiple concerts this year uh mm -hmm. i'm sure at those concerts you see people physically embodying something that does not have a physical body and yeah. I, I so i love mm -hmm. the power of music in that we we see it come out physically though it itself is not a physical entity that is one of like the true yes. I think magics of music. I'm not a musician, you know, by, by trade or even by accident, but you know, I, I, I've, I've singing in the car with my kids, like that has a physical response to it. That response, that's the word I was looking for. Yeah. But I also, <laughs> I also just wanted to slip in and remind Nick that, you know, like other people know stuff about Tolkien too. Uh, and flex. look at that flex look at that look at that flex. but, but oh, see here's where I, I can't wait for the four of us to hang out at theology beer camp because nick can like he can correct me but you know then i can also flex against him on stuff like the four of us are gonna have a ton of fun oh yeah playing off of each other that weekend let me also well, I'm add we'll mention karaoke because we're gonna be doing our first ever uh geek yeah, karaoke <laughs> Oh, well, I, I'll tie in some science too. Like, if the fabric of the universe is um, built upon like vibrating strings, and the fact that like maybe behind the universe itself, the very fabric of the universe, are these like uh, musical tones. I mean, Tolkien wasn't far off. Like, you know, you have the the strings on the piano, or a guitar, or a violin, or a cello, and if that's kind of what's going on at the very subatomic level, and our bodies are like vibrating waves that we're attached to, then then our voices, vocal cords, and the music we play and the instruments we play is caught up in kind of the song and, and music of, of the universe. And so um, if, if there's a creator and author behind that, which I believe there is, um, then I want to get in rhythm with that. I want to, I want to sing along with that and not, not sing out of tune, uh, but, but be a part of it. And I don't play any instruments or no music anymore, but I know a good tune when I hear it, I know what I, what I like to dance to and what, what really gets me going. And so, yeah, music's a big part of that. And it's pretty cool that start, track is is lean into the kind of that musical aspect of of theopoetics and, and musical expression too because that's i think is part of the yeah. fabric of reality if you ask me yeah and if you message us uh, systematic ecology i'll give you a whole playlist of great sea shanties so you know just keep that in mind <laughs> that, that's the name of this episode sea shanties <laughs> gather around gather around let's people. go joshua yeah, here we are. <laughs> all right, all right. Will you pick this one? I'm gonna let you lead the way. Uh, why? Why are we talking about my adventures with Superman? Yeah, let's let's. Um, so there's the adventures of Superman. There is the Superman animated series. Superman has been around a long time. He's the OG. He's the original superhero. Really, there were superheroes before him. There are uh, like uh, Greek gods uh, before um, mythological. <laughs> stories before Superman, but but when you get to him, he's been around a long time with long history. And so when I heard that my adventures with Superman uh, was going to drop on Adult Swim and then on HBO Max and then Max, I was like, what are we doing? Another Superman cartoon? All right, I'll check it out. Oh, man, this is a charming 
cartoon. It is a feel-good cartoon. When you look at it and say, oh, it's Adult Swim, it's going to hop on Max, it's just like a Harley Quinn rated R, kids aren't supposed to watch this. No, it is a um, very mild PG cartoon about Superman and how he's getting started off. Like he's an intern. He's not even a reporter yet. He's coming right out of home. And it's kind of his, it's an origin story without being like a heavy handed, here we are, another origin story retelling of Superman. They they do things differently. It's it's for the modern modern era, modern world. Um, other hosts on our podcast have talked about how much they love this. Um, so I won't go too depth, but but yeah, it's, it's my adventures with Superman is the trio of Jimmy Olsen, Lois Lane and Clark Kent. There they are right there. And they're learning what it means to be friends, learning what it means to be uh, interns and reporters. And and all the while, Clark Kent's learning how to be Superman. So that whole I'm a sucker for origin stories and and like learning curves, the learning curve. What does it mean to be a hero? What does it mean to use my powers? And then the the whole learning curve of how to be a human in the world or how to be in relationships or how to live on my own or how to get my first job or first first relationship that that I'm romantically involved in all those learning curves that comes around um, is wrapped up in the show and I and I just love it love it so much and and I think we can learn a lot from that too we're all in the learning process and so as you watch this charming show about Clark learning how to be Superman and then his friends learning how to be friends um, is is so good and the retelling of some of the villains a little bit twist to it I mean um, but it's still at its heart, still what Superman is all about. Like the good natured Boy Scout is is there. And if like, man, if they want to learn how to do a Superman movie, just do this. This is do the movie. This. this It's not that hard, folks. It's not that hard. Do it. I know like animation and live action, is, there's a cost difference of how you do this. But man, the dialogue and the relationship and how this is written. Uh, it couldn't be more great, in my opinion. So, um, yeah, do do this, James Gunn. Do this, please. Mm. Yeah. So I, I love Lois's relationship with him. That's just that's all I have to say. You know, I know a lot of the characterizations and stuff have changed, but their relationship is just that. That's the whole reason I watch it. Yeah, so I'm good. like, I love this. <laughs> And it's Sorry, not without conflict or res or tension. Like they don't sugarcoat anything. They're they're trying to learn how to live in this world, and they all have like ambitions and expectations, and and learning how to communicate with each other, which is like every our everyday life with every relationship we're a part of or job we're a part of uh, is is right there. So, um, yeah, Ryan, chime in. You you've watched it all. Um, so, what do you think? I think uh, Superman is one of those properties, even outside of comics, where you would look at him as a character and be like, oh, I'll bet most of his stories are pretty easy. I think right. I think Superman stories might be easy to comprehend, like on a good level. But I think Superman stories are really hard to do well. Like, because the character has been, I mean, literally, he's the first super heroic character in modern entertainment. Like, mm -hmm. he's he literally, he's the paragon. He is the original. Action Comics number one set off all of this. So, yeah. I think to do this character in, an, in a refreshing, exciting, nuanced way is rare and mm -hmm. Uh, you really don't like I didn't see it coming because I was a little game. We're only six episodes into this series, but I was a little late to the game with this one because I was like another Superman thing. 
you know, what, what is the, the, the thing about this? And I think the thing that keeps drawing me back to this property is the charm that it has. The, yeah. the, the wonderment that Clark looks at the world, the, the wonderment that Clark looks at Lois with. I Joshua hit on this, and I think it is so key and critical. Their relationship is the, the pathos and the heart of this property. We, we do see them fight a lot of revitalized villains, and that's fantastic. I love their take on Deathstroke. Mm-hmm. Their take yeah. on Deathstroke was very cool, and I was very, very, like, Deathstroke versus Superman kind of feels like, well, Superman should win that mm-hmm. fight all the time. But in this version, obviously, Clark is a brand new superhero, and Slade is this, like, you know, this experienced mercenary. So mm-hmm. he has the experience on him. But, like, I, I love that. I love the earnestness that Clark has. And he is infatuated with Lois. He's infatuated mm-hmm. with her. And she is, Lois's characterization in this series is so, so mm-hmm. good. I loved that she's like, she's going to get that story no matter what. And she, she suspects everything. She's, she's very earnest. I keep saying, I keep saying earnest because these characters have a heart to them. They have a desire, a passion to them. I feel it coming through. And then I remember it's a cartoon. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like then I remember that the characters are are being, are being drawn and it's not live action. And I just, I I love this show. (laughs) Yeah. Absolutely love the show. And I think there's but four more episodes left in this season. Mm -hmm. I'm so, I'm so excited to see how this season wraps up it. Whenever it drops, I am watching it as soon as I possibly can. I will toss just about every other trailer property mcu thing to the side if like just give me more adventures with superman that's what i want right now that's what i need right now and i'll say the sorry real fast like the animation too like i i love the animation it's kind of in the style of like avatar the last airbender (laughs) it's not like super computer generated it's 2d but it's got a little bit of anime feel but it's also part of like og cartoon 2d cartoon whether it's um the the animated batman series or animated superman series it's it's got that feel to it and I, i i love it um yeah, yeah. The animated yeah. style is drawing me into. Josh, go ahead. We, yeah. We've been gushing over it. What do you think? No, I was just going to, you know, you're talking about the relationships and like what Ryan said reminded me of like, I never liked Superman really until like the last couple of years. And then, you know, you have the adventure of John Kent and I was like, this guy's pretty cool. And then recently yeah. that miniseries Superman Lost, I'm liking Clark Kent all of a sudden. So good. This mm-hmm. is the first time I've liked Lois or um, Jimmy. And I'm like, I no, just they're not just like placeholders. Like I genuinely like these characters. Superman yeah. could not be there for an episode, and I wouldn't feel like I missed anything. You yeah, know, like it's he was so true, Josh. For some reason, jeez. <laughs> yeah, I'm buying your first beer at Theology Beer Camp. That was so good because <laughs> no, it's, oh, it's, it's it's true. It's totally true. You could have an episode of this show without Superman or Clark, and I would not feel jilted at all. Yeah. No. And that's 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 incredible. And then for me, just as someone who's like, I went into it kind of looking at this does look like after our last Airbender. There's so many anime themes that I was like, wait yeah, a minute, good. Superman always could have been an anime, you know, like, of course, like the robotic stuff. I was like, yeah, this is very anime typical, you know, the emotions, yeah. the way like the relationships are playing out. I'm like, all of these are just such like standard anime tropes, but also I've always known this was in Superman. I just would have never put the two together. <laughs> yeah. You know, El- Elizabeth, um, one of our hosts, uh, uh, 
loves the romance and the anime. I would love to hear her take on this. So, yeah. so Elizabeth, if you're listening, please watch the show and let us know what you think. Um, I, I also think going back to like your discussion with Star Trek, like wondering what it means to be human, a question that Superman open, uh, Clark Kent openly says out loud in the show, he almost looks at the camera and says like, who am I? And he's mm-hmm. trying to figure out who he is, um, where he's from. Uh, Jor-El, when he, when he sees his dad from Krypton, he's talking in, in like, Kryptonian language. He doesn't even understand what he's saying. Of course he doesn't because he's from Earth and he knows English. Like, why would he know what, what, or why would Jorel speak English? Um, so, um, but, but that whole question, who am I? And then I think uh, Lois says at one point, who are you? And, and so they're, they're asking this question of <laughs> yeah. like, who am I? Who are you? Who are we? And they're all entangled with this trio, this Trinity friend group um, is, is trying to feel like, feel out who they are and what they're about and who they are in this world and where they stand. And they're not doing it without one another. They're in community with each other. So again, that theme of, of doing this life thing together in relationship with one another is a pretty important one. Yeah. Speaking of identity, our, our next pick has a lot to do with who are you and can we trust who you say you are? So I'm excited to get into this. Um, Ryan, for those yes. listening, could you what is Marvel's Secret Invasion? What's it all about? Oh, Joshua, it's so it's so many things. Um, this so this this six episode series uh, is really digging into Nick Fury's relationship with the Skrulls. We find out they are a displaced group. They are refugees on Earth, and Fury. We find out what Fury has gotten the scrolls to do on his behalf throughout the history of our MCU. And a lot of it comes back to bite him in the, in the person of Gravik, who is our antagonist for this six episode series played by the amazing Kingsley Benadir, who uh, I couldn't, I could not have a higher opinion of him as an actor. Now I'm so ready for him to be Marley this year to be Bob Marley later on this year very excited for that but anyway um yeah so fury and his team of super spy rogues are trying to shut down a plot by gravik to essentially bring about world destruction so that uh the scrolls can have a permanent place to stay there's uh, a lots of side quests along the way we meet a lot of different characters but if you were going to I'd probably take a 30,000 foot view of this series that gives you kind of the main plot points. I will say about this, uh, my, my take on this show and my, my response to this show is not original, but it is very much consistent with what a lot of, uh, but my, my friends have been saying like the first five episodes of this series. Fantastic. Loved it. I loved the genre themes of spy and thriller that last episode, I, I, I okay, I can't think of another way to say it. It landed like a fart in church. Like <laughs> I was like, uh. okay, like you had me, like you absolutely had me. And I think there were some things that really like played out through the the the, the length of the the show, where like the acting was always good. The 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 vibe of the show the the atmospherics of the show the aesthetics were good the whole way through but man some of the things in that last episode i think i think just left a lot of people wanting a different conclusion but 
I, uh, I, I think I liked this series that for those first five episodes, I'll probably rewatch a lot. Um, but I, I enjoyed the first five episodes. I'll say that. I rewatched the last episode um, last night, just kind of get ready for this. But it's funny when I listen to, I think most of our circles tend to be pretty positive. We don't want to be that toxic uh, fan or geek out there who's like, uh, breaking news. Let me um, clickbait and tell about how my hot takes about how whatever this thing sucks, you know. Um, but listening to Ryan and his circles and his podcast and some of the people that he's in other group chats that I'm not a part of talk about this and critique it in a polite <laughs> way has been very fun to me. They're trying to be critical and be lot, but they're the nicest way possible. We we kind of maybe didn't like this we we wished it been better but we understand they worked really hard we love you guys but not my cup of tea i mean it was like it was nicest critique i've ever heard that's me that's totally me it's you it's the source pages like all all our friends out there who are big geeks that try to keep it positive man we're trying super hard to not be overly critical but it's hard because we wanted so much out of this show and then it, it did it built i think for me, it's like, where is this leading to? I think what was so charming about the MCU from the very beginning, those origin movies, we knew it was leading to an Avengers team, an Avengers right. movie. And then those Avenger movies were leading to the big showdown with Thanos. And then after that, what's going to happen? I think what's been in this phase since Endgame is like, what is this leading to? They, where are the connected tissues? They, they tease it a little bit or they build up, oh, this is heading somewhere, the next big team. But where's the next big team? Where where are the young Avengers? Where are the Thunderbolts? Where's Excalibur? Where, where, if they just said like a couple more words or, or just kind of laid it out there a little bit more clearly where this would go on, I think we'd be on board. But like, yeah, the 30 foot view, we see these little tiny stories going on, but like where, where are the connective tissues for the larger MCU? And mm-hmm. for me, that that's kind of my frustration with the show. Where is this leading? Just give me a, an end credit scene or a couple extra sentences to tell me where you're going. And I mean, yeah, maybe we all cleared up in, in the Marvels movie, like, okay, but like maybe that last scene in episode six, they could have led it on or it closing credit scene. Maybe they could get them in the room because of COVID or, or writer strike. I don't know, but like, where where's it going? So anyway, that's yeah. kind of my where I'm at. Yeah, we're gonna get to some of the implications here in a minute. Um, I, I did want to talk about some of the comparisons with that in the comic book first. Um, first, I'll just give my like general overview. Um, I'm not afraid to be critical. I just didn't like it, you know, all the way through. I, it started off and I was hopeful for like the first three episodes. I was like, it's going to get to something good. They're just building up. It's going to get to something. Then eventually I was like, or maybe it's just boring. <laughs> like, I, I know they put a lot of work. There was a lot of good stuff. There were parts I liked. In fact, I think mm-hmm. the thing I liked the most was probably in the last episode. Ironically, you know, I'm Josh with the Bad Opinions. Josh with the Bad Opinions. It's my title. It's fine. I've accepted it. Um. But yeah, I, I I don't know, man. I, I like the one twist where it was like, oh, Nick Fury wasn't really there. I was like, okay, there was a twist. I was, I went into this not expecting it to be the comic book, but expecting it to kind of be like spy thriller, a lot like what it was like Winter Soldier movie was. Mm-hmm. But for me, it was all just predictable and kind of slow, like a very slow pace. I was like, this would have been a better movie, I think. Which I don't say that a lot. You know, I'm glad that Miss Marvel and Moon Knight were, sh- were shows. I think we needed to build it out. I just, I was like, yeah. Hmm. For me, personally, I know a lot of people loved it. It was just kind of my thing where I was like, ah, I wasn't expecting it to be the comic. 
because they would have had to pull Robert Downey Jr. and all kinds of stuff, and they weren't going to do that. And I knew that. That was never going to happen. Yeah, the closest I got wasn't even Nick Fury. For me, this show made Nick Fury seem like he wasn't very good. All his good spy stuff was just scrolls. And the the real good super agent was, um, what was the female character that he partnered up with at the end? She was the one that I was like, this is the Nick Fury I know. I don't know who. Oh, you're talking about Olivia Jackson's playing. Yeah, I was like, yeah, I was like, that's the real Nick Fury in this. I was like, she's acting like the character I expected. (laughs) Yeah. And I loved her. I loved her character a lot. So that one was a positive for me, too. And that was the thing of like, if she's building a team kind of like, um, you know, going to lead to like Black Knight, Excalibur, Captain Britain. You know, she's got Guy on her team now, which is kind of like the Hulkling version of the Young Avengers, kind of like the scroll who can turn into things and shape shift into a super scroll. Um, th- then then cool. I, I'm excited about that. But give me a couple extra scenes or a couple aperture dialogues to let me know you're going that direction to get me excited. You don't have to like tea. It can stand alone on its on its own, but still build towards something. And so, yeah, there are some moments that were great. There are some character moments that were great. I like this Samuel Jackson, just acting and doing his thing. Cool. Let's, let's do it. I'm on board. Um, but there are some elements that were like, where, where this end up at the final end, kind of where we were already at the beginning, other than a pissed off president who's going to like blow up things. And I'm like, man, like, are, are we doing that? Um, so we've never seen that before. Will. Yeah, we had to yeah. see it in the movies. Well, they had to set up for, uh, for Harrison Ford to become president. No. So that's okay. really all that was. No, he, he Red General Hulk Ross is president. becoming. Well, he's supposed to be. That was supposed oh, yeah, to be. I know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, so I was I'm, like, I'm, I'm down. I'm ready for it. I'm, I'm ready for it. So I do want to talk some about the implication. Not Before we get to the implication, I want to talk some about like the comic book comparison stuff. Sure. The moment that upset me the most, not upset, that I was most disappointed in. They set me up for a great comic book moment. So. We, we all know there's spoilers. Maria Hill dies in this. Um, in the comic, she also gets shot. And I was waiting because I was expecting the, a really cool double agent, Nick Fury, who had all this planned out and knew what was going on instead of a Nick Fury who was kind of clueless. Um, but <laughs> she gets shot in the comics and they're like, oh, we got her. The scrolls, you know, backstabbed her. Order 66 kind of number. And then she's up, up mm. with... You know what I'm going to tell you? My last words, it's going to be Nick Fury was right. <laughs> I'm going to get a t-shirt and a t-shirt's going to have big words on it. that just says Nick Fury was right. And they shoot her down. And then the re- turns out she was just a life model decoy. The real Maria Hills up above and snipes them all. <laughs> and that's what I was waiting for. I was waiting for the drop because we saw Maria Hill in the Marvel's trailers. I was like, oh, okay, so she's fine. I was waiting for, they think she got her. And then it turns out this whole time, Nick Fury, life model decoys. And we weren't even watching the real Nick Fury. And I don't know. I think in my head, I built it up way more than I needed to. But I, I loved that moment in the comics. And I was sad we didn't get something similar. It didn't have to be the same. Yeah, and in the comics, like going back for those who, who aren't familiar, this is a Brian Michael Bendis um kind of big event uh, in 2008 uh, with uh, Linnell Yu uh, as the artist, fantastic artist. And so, you know, it's coming off of like Ben has created the new Avengers team where you had like Wolverine and Spider-Man and a few other like staple Marvel heroes on the Avengers. So you have this new Avengers team, but then you lead into like the scrolls where you are like, who's a scroll? Who's not a scroll? Who do we trust? Who we do not trust? Oh, and then look over their corner or maybe, maybe Peter Parker is a scroll or maybe, 
maybe maybe it's the worst of scroll like where that that created kind of the the um the skepticism and the distrust in this big crossover event with with marvel and so they're kind of leaning into that a little bit that's about the only thing um that they leaned into uh mm-hmm. with, with the tv show that they couldn't really do because of the comics because they have all the characters there but like Rhodey being a scroll or um who, who do we know is a scroll or not who do you trust or or not trust um was kind of the themes and again who am i relationship with now, is it authentic or not kind of thing i did find one other similarity with the comic though and they just made it a lot less religious in the show but the scroll do kind of have this cult mentality of them following this one leader in the comic that happens but it's more religious you know they keep saying he even loves you he loves you and you're like wondering who he is and it reveals that it's god they believe they're killing people and doing all this stuff and that you're going to become one with God whenever they kill you. Something like that. I don't know if that's exactly it, but it's pretty. I'm like 80% sure or something like that. So it was you're close though. enough. You're close enough. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, just roll with it guys. So I, the, there was definitely a cult mentality. So I thought it was cool that they still did something like that in the show. Um, what, what do you like? Do you guys think it was robbed? Any of them not mentioning like it being a religious thing? I mean, to me, I was like, it's Disney. They're not going to make it religious. I didn't think it really missed anything with that. Yeah, I think in night in two thousand eight, Bendis is playing around with again. We're kind of like 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 in today's age of thinking about the immigrant, the other, uh, welcome the refugee is kind of big language. Closing the borders, who you can let in or out is a big part of the political discourse that we're a part of in our own country. But in two thousand eight, this post nine eleven, we're still wrestling with kind of uh, a war in the Middle East and 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 what's going on there, terrorism, uh, religious extremism, that that kind of thing. So Bendis is playing around with that. I don't think you needed that in this kind of show, but I think the political no. overtones of like the other borders um who ha- where's your safe haven or sanctuary that kind of dialogue and conversation um uh, I-, I think was was helpful and what was needed rather than being i mean even think life model decoys if they implemented that in the midst of scrolls then you're really kind of muddy in the waters of like <laughs> who's who is it a robot or is it a scroll or i i don't i don't mind mind that being left out maybe at some point they'll, they'll introduce that but i think it was enough there to, to kind of talk about, you know, identity, the other, the refugee, a safe space to call home or belong, um, being displaced um, as a people or an alien. Um, you know, again, you know, how do we encounter, we just had a congregational, uh, congregation, con, um, Congress had a, you know, hearing about aliens and whether we're going to welcome the alien or not. Um, and again, hosts on our own show will say like, well, way we should welcome the the alien in our neighborhood, <laughs> the other neighbor before we even think about outer space. But um, yeah, it, it plays with those themes. And I think those themes were done well for me. That on its own is not enough to connect me to the big DC, MCU connective tissues yeah. of a larger universe is what yeah. I wanted to say. Now- I do think they translate it well, though, because instead of making it like religious and about, you know, what was going on at those time when we're worried about Islamic groups in the Middle East, now we're worried about Russia. So this show really kind of still included some something relevant to our own time when we're thinking about the alien and the other. Um, and, and I like these questions of do we treat the alien any differently, whether they look like us or not? And do we treat is there ever a time where the alien actually is dangerous you know like sometimes you know right now i don't know if i want russian planes flying over the u.s you know so i I don't know um as far as like how they wrestled with the especially the question of like 
whether the alien should look like us or not. You know, I'm thinking a lot of like Christian missionary groups. We go over and we basically teach them how to have white American culture and Christianity in that. Um, do, do you think there was anything like that especially spoke to you in the show as far as like, how do we treat the other? Do we make them feel like they need to look like us? Yeah, I think, I mean, that's colonialism, right? Like we're, we're like, are, yes. is it, are we to share something that's meaningful to me to, to bring life and it for someone else or like good news or gospel, or are we just trying to like change their culture? Like to be a Lutheran doesn't mean you have to like, like jello casserole, you know, it's like, uh, you know, that's a big part of like, Lutheran culture, yes, beer, coffee, and Jello casseroles, uh, like, um, is is not what it means. Luther has that's the cultural aspect of it, and so yeah, I think colonialism versus um, sharing what's meaningful to you or accompaniment, empowerment, uh, th- those words, I, I think show lean into that. So I'm just not gonna do it perfectly in the sixth episode. Yeah. Try to do a bunch of stuff, but I think. I think for that part, um, that they had me interested in that. I, that that isn't what irritated me about the show. Um, yeah, no, me neither. I, I actually, I really appreciated it. I mean, even because it's not just race in this, you know, it's making people look like you. You know, I mean, even thinking of like going to the workplace, you know, the people who work in my office, we can wear T-shirts and whatever. And, you know, if you look in the other office, they might be allowed to. But you're kind of expected to look like the other people who have the polo shirts and, you know, the Ralph Lauren shoes, whatever else. I don't know, man. <laughs> so, you know, it is interesting. You know, certain cultures, like, they will look at you different. Even in the U.S., we have like subcultures. They will look at you different and judge you based on what you're dressed like, how you come out. You know, if I come out to Will's surfing group and they're all surfing and I'm wearing a polo. They might they might judge me a little bit for coming out on the beach with a polo. I don't uh, know. You would really harsh their mellow, Joshua. You yeah, really yeah. <laughs> Three piece suit on the beach. They're like, what was this guy doing? <laughs> right. Kook. We'll call you a kook. Keep count. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Ryan, well. Yeah, I'm just curious, Ryan. In terms of like, yeah, your uh, your love of the MCU, Thor, the larger picture. We were all looking forward to this because we wanted to see more Samuel. Yes. We wanted to see. Um, I've heard you say before, like the very ending mm-hmm. of him just getting back on the spaceship, and all right, like that's kind of where we get. Like, <laughs> where do you hope this leads to with like the Marvels and Miss Marvel and him showing up there, and perhaps uh, another kind of scroll war yeah. or i don't know are they going to lean into that more or just ignore what they did because it didn't get very good ratings and we're just going to move on or i don't know well i'll be on it i'll be perfectly honest i i have gotten out of that phase of my life i've matured i've gotten more i think i've gotten more wise as an older mm-hmm. man now mm-hmm. where like i don't need to know everything that's going to happen before i watch something mm-hmm. but so i don't seek that out will i'll be perfectly honest but i have seen the marvels trailer a trailer you guys may have mentioned on a yes. previous episode, but that Marvel's trailer is amazing. Yeah. Uh, when Iman Vellani like looks at the flurkin and is like, Oh my God. <laughs> I was like, I Joshua talked about laughing his butt off at the, the Spock bacon comment. I've watched that Marvel's trailer too many times. To, and that flurkin thing gets me every time. But mm-hmm. yeah, I great. think, I think so much of that movie is going to be those three, characters bonding together you know because they say in that trailer you know like are we a team no 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 we're not a team we're not a team but they're kind (laughs) of they're they're a team at least they're a team by circumstance at least Mm -hmm. i think the movie is gonna maybe lean it's gonna lean way more into that than uh, than being a 
a falling out of secret invasion. I think yeah, yeah. Okay, I, I don't know. I'm I'm not a predictions guy, but honestly, in probably a year or two, this series is going to be forgotten for yeah. the um yeah. but it depends on if there's something actually consequential that gets picked up. I know on on our show when we did our review of uh, a friend a friend of mine Matt Carroll said uh well, what if this leads to the Thunderbolts and the scrolls are why yeah. the Thunderbolts need to exist? I'm like, yeah. okay, that interests me. That yep. interests me. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that's speculation. Um, so, you know, it's that it's that ever present thing of like, we'll have to see. I do think the Marvels is going to outperform expectations. Um, whatever yeah. those expectations are, I think that movie is just going to really rip and it's going to oh, yeah. be really good um I'm, I'm i'm ready to see where this leads i think the mcu has this inherent um trust this hopeless devotion now where it's like oh that that i didn't feel like that was that good well maybe the next one will be better yeah. like there's that that continual <laughs> you know we look forward even if we're a little disappointed we're like well the marvels is going to be better right well, you know, Fantastic Four is getting here, you know, eventually the X-Men are going to get here eventually. So there's that looking forward, even if we don't know what we're looking forward at or to, there's at least that hope that the next thing might be just a little bit better. And plus, we all know Loki season two is going to kick all oh, yeah. sorts of. Oh, butt. yeah. So, yeah, that's uh, yeah. that's my yeah, forecasting. Will. So real, real I uh, I think. I see it feeding into New World Order, Captain America, but I see Captain America and everything, so can't trust me on that. <laughs> um, but but I, I see it. I think it'll happen. I'm excited for that. Also, I just want to throw out there, you know, as far as like we constantly look, we're disappointed. We are much like the Israelites of, oh, God has forsaken us, even though we just done a miracle for us. Um, uh -huh. I, I got to point out, I got to point out, we keep saying all these phases suck, these phases suck. We said it like, what, one movie after No Way Home? One of the absolute best movies in this timeline um and now we're saying it right after guardians 3 possibly the best movie in the mcu <laughs> god man it's, yeah, I gotta it's say, a tough one to beat it's a tough one to beat yeah I, honestly thor ragnarok that and winter soldier like all three of them i'm like i just can't i don't want to pick huh. it's like picking a favorite child i love those so much that's, that's a good trio that's joshua good trio. you should you should get some children <laughs> and you know will who's no. your favorite daughter now um nope. nope nothing yeah safe answer is nothing yeah yeah <laughs> yes um yeah but uh i'm excited to see where it goes real quick real quick and then we're gonna go to the wrap-up zero to ten how are you rating this will secret yeah what's the passing grade you know if you're if you're talking to me zero is the worst ten is the best five would be comparable to everything else so five would be average um i'll give it a i'll give it a five Okay, that's fair. I'm going to give it a four. I think it's just not quite as good as like normal stuff that I'd be watching. And if I'm grading it just on a scale of other MCU stuff, it's like a two. It's barely better than third Iron Man. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> Ryan. Nothing is worse than that third Iron Man. True. Um, I was so worried when they introduced extremists into this. I was like, guys, that did not work. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I would say probably... Probably a four or five. I think you guys are pretty on the nose there. I would rate the first five episodes like a seven, <laughs> uh, a seven trending towards eight. But I mean, that ending left me 
empty and wanting to binge eat calories I don't need and I don't know. I, yeah, I, I will say Amelia Clark in the MCU as Gaia as a super scroll. I like that idea a lot. We'll we'll see what happens um, with. I know the what they did with this with the special effects and her powers are kind of wonky and people are like, what's going on? But like her, if they could really grab her, I just love her and and her being part of the MCU makes me excited. So that's, that's oh cool. yeah. Oh, right. always. Whereas my adventures oh. with Superman is a is a ten plus man. Uh, right now, it's, it's listen, listen. Oh, that's it's... that's coming up next when we get to our, our our wrap up. Okay, okay. I'm gonna ask you of everything we talked today, about today. Uh, let's let's start with Ryan. If you had to pick one thing that we talked about today to recommend, if people haven't seen any of these things and somehow listened to all of us ramble about it, a what are you thinking, Ryan? A vampire on a on a water boat going through the ocean <laughs> on a on a water boat as opposed to what other kind of boat? <laughs> air boat. There's air, air boat. boat. <laughs> um, yes, air I mean my last yes. plug for Last Voyage of the Demeter. Go see it. But anyway, uh, I would say uh, my adventures with Superman is. I don't often say it's required reading or required viewing to go check out a thing. Come on, like go, go watch my adventures with Superman. Like yep. you can, you can receive a lot of, you know, positivity in that, but also really great characters, really great animation. Like, yeah, it's, oh, yeah. it's not, I would say it's an all ages show. It's, it's, yeah. it, it yeah. kids can watch it like that. You should, mm-hmm. you know, watch it with kids. But also, like, if you watch it as an adult, you will definitely still be very um, engaged. And it, it's just a well done show. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm going I'm to let you go last. Save the best for last. Well, for first and last. I'm just putting the worst in the middle. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and go. Um, of everything, I'm actually I'm going to reach deep into our lightning round that we did. And, and in our lightning round. I mentioned Good Omens season two. So I just got to guys, as far as like anybody can watch it, you don't need a whole lot of like background to watch Good Omens. The first and second season both are like six episodes wrestling with what is good? What is evil? Is God actually good? Is there such thing as a duality? You have the romance beat, the quirkiness, like on it has all of the flag, like the music, everything about this series, top grade, like that would be a 10 out of 10 for me if we were rating it. Um, Guys, just just go watch Good Omens. Just that's it. Just go watch Good Omens. <laughs> All right, Will. Those son- sound like uh, timeless questions, and that's why we do this thing. It's just, um, yeah, I, I, my, my adventures with Superman. You know, it's not by himself. He's with others in relationship. And watching that show reminds me of of, of why I like superheroes and why I like that genre. Like a why I love comics. You know, it, it just got it. Man, just goes back to the core of, of why I love love this genre so much. Um, so yeah, that's what I recommend. Oh man, guys, thank you for everybody who stuck with us through all of this. Mm-hmm. Make sure you like and subscribe if you're on YouTube. If you're not on YouTube, go over there, follow the channel. It's worth it. Uh, you know, rate us on Podchaser, whatever else. Check out the main feed wherever you get your podcasts. And um, guys, I am going to need you to do one very important thing today. And remember. That we're all a chosen people, a geekdom of priests. This was an Anazal Ministries podcast. If you enjoyed this show and would like to learn more about our network, be sure to check out the Anazal Ministries podcast network.